Today, what I want you to get is, it's about hearing. Say, it's about hearing. I don't know if you uh, remember the uh, 1992 presidential campaign, but one of the candidates was kind of making fun of the intelligence level of the other candidate and said, you know, because one candidate says it's about this, and the other candidate says it's about that. And one candidate said to the other one, it's about the economy, stupid. Anybody remember that? Huh? It's about the economy, stupid, right? So today it's about hearing. I'm not going to say stupid. Say, it's about hearing. It's about hearing. It's about hearing. It's about hearing. And it's how you hear. It's how you hear. It's about intentional hearing. You know, I think a lot of times we word faith people like to play uh, a sermon in the background all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. You probably ought to do that. But we think because we have that playing, we're getting everything from it. But are you intentionally hearing the word of God? Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and the marrow, marrow or marrow, and it, the word that is, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The intentions of our heart is what the word of God is dealing with. The New Testament isn't so much about dealing with your behavior. Now, in some churches, they deal all superficially with your behavior. Don't do this. Don't smoke that. Don't drink that. Right? Don't say those dirty words. You can change all of that and still go to hell. You could clean up your language, put away them cigarettes, right? Put away that chaw tobacco, right? Stop doing all that stuff the church says you're supposed to stop doing and still go to hell. That wouldn't be no good now, would it? We're supposed to be living from the inside out. And, and the Word of God starts working on the inside first. And then once you get the Word as a seed in your heart, then it begins to deal with your conduct. But first what has to happen is there has to be a heart change. Say a heart change. You know, we as parents, when we're raising children, we want them to conduct themselves honorably and behave and obey and stay on the straight and narrow, right? And sometimes our children can kind of schmooze us a little bit and make us think that they're behaving properly and behind the scenes they're doing things that you wish they wouldn't. Amen? Amen. Any parents in the house know that what I'm saying is the truth. I did it to my parents. You did it to yours. Glory. Praise the Lord. But God deals with the heart. Amen? And we we as parents need to learn to deal with the heart of that child. Yeah, we want them to behave, right? But let's, let's deal with heart issues. And that's what I'm dealing with today. It's about hearing, right? 
And it's about hearing intentionally. And, and if, you, if you listen to the words that I'm saying, I'm going to use words on purpose. The thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God discerns the intentions of our hearts. How does it do that? When it gets inside you. How does it get inside you? When you hear it. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah, wake me up when it's over. I heard, yeah, I can hear him. Yeah, I heard, I heard that, yeah. <laughs> That's not the kind of hearing we're talking about. We're talking about focused, intentional, aggressive hearing. Uh, sometimes it's been called uh, active listening. You know, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're on their phone and you're like, are you listening to me? You're like, yeah, I, 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 hear, I can hear you, right? Men, <laughs> have you tried that on your wife? <laughs> Women, you know what I'm talking about? You know, when you're really in love with somebody, you, ever go, you, go, out to, you go out to dinner and you see two lovebirds, you know, and their phones are like face down on the table. You know they're in love now, right? When everybody's phone is on the table face down, right? Well, after a while, sometimes it seems like, you know, that phone, they turn it over and then they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, oh, yeah. They keep talking, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. And after a while, it's just like this. Tell me when the waiter gets here. Right. The communication has broken down. You know, friends, this, there is a crisis. There is a communication crisis in our culture. And it's in the church, too. There is a communication crisis. People don't know how to communicate. People are afraid to face people face to face. People are afraid to have honest communication face to face. Say amen. That's the truth. I mean, we all have a little bit of, of uh, uh, apprehension about, you know, conflict and dealing with conflict. Why do you think Jesus talked about it? Hmm? All right. You ready for me to read a scripture here? Mark chapter 4, verse 1, please. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Say, it's about hearing. Don't say stupid. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's about hearing. <laughs> And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his manner of teaching, or doctrine that is, hearken, behold. You know what those two words mean? Look and listen. You can tell if somebody's paying attention to you because they're looking at you and they're listening to you. Right? I can tell if you're not listening, if you're not looking. Right? Sometimes, you know, I'm kind of a, have a bit of a German academic background in my family. We grew up, you know, in the way that we communicated. Uh, and sometimes I, I frustrate those around me a little bit because I'll be talking to somebody and I can tell they're not paying attention to me. And so I'll just stop talking. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's wise maybe that's wise and maybe it's not but if, if you're not listening to me why would i just say it and jesus is the same way look and listen he says there went out a sower to sow this is intentional hearing this is an advanced hearing say advanced hearing, advanced hearing. you know you're you're, you're not going to get this in any other church you go to i've been in church my whole life And I've never heard 
I've never heard what I'm, gonna, what I'm telling you right now. But this is the key to life. This is the key to faith. This is the key to, when you get to be my age, there's, there's a couple of you that are close or a little better, but most of you are much younger than me. When you get to be my age, do you want to be rich or do you want to be broke? That is not a rhetorical question. You want to be rich or you want to be broke? Huh? I thought being rich was bad. Well, then heaven's bad because everybody in heaven's rich. That's where the will of God is done unhindered. Hmm? Adam was rich in the beginning. You've heard of supply and demand, right? When Noah came off the boat, if you wanted a chicken egg, you had to come to Noah. He, what, what would he charge for that egg, you think? Whatever you got. <laughs> Remember the, uh, the vacation movie? What is it? National Lampoon's Vacation, when the, the transmission breaks down. And they say, how much is it? And he says, well, how much you got? <laughs> You're out in the middle of nowhere. Supply and demand kicks in here. You've got to have this transmission. I got one right there. Well, how much money you got? And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. That's this one here. Might as well never have been any word. Might as well, it's, it's, might as well be sterile soil. The, the seed never penetrated because they were not hearing intentionally. They were not demanding that seed take root in their heart. Fowls of the air come and, and, uh, and uh, devoured it up. Next, please. Some fell by this, uh, on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. I, I uh, put some thistle in this one, too, because we're kind of uh, mixing the, uh, verse 6 and verse 7 in that jar there a little bit. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Uh, and also, he says later, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, and Satan comes immediately, right? Then he says, these are they sown on stony ground, and the cares of this world, uh, uh, and the lusts of other things come in, entering, choke the word. And in some translations, it says, the good things of life don't make room for the seed. So I had to put this jar here. There's just not room in some people's lives for the seed of God's word. They got everything going on. They got plenty of money, plenty of health. Everything's cool. They're good looking. They're smart. They're talented, they think. And so there's no room in their life and in their heart for the seed of God's word anywhere. And they look okay for now. But the day's coming. The day is coming. Right? Where this one is going to look better than this one. Hmm? And, you know, sometimes you know people and, and everything looks cool with their life. You ever been like in, uh, I remember in high school, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I kind of, I guess a, a bit of a late bloomer. And some of these guys looks like they're shaving and everything in, in, in eighth grade, you know. And, and I wasn't there yet. You know, my voice didn't change, you know, and everything. I was, I was still very much a boy in seventh or eighth grade and looked like they were kind of like men, you know. Well, I got to be about ninth or tenth grade. And those same guys that look like men, you know, with hairy knuckles, you know, and everything, they're about this tall now to me. <laughs> right? So the, the point is, is that just let the seed of God's word work in your life. It's not a get rich quick. It's not simplistic answers to all life's complicated questions. Just let the seed of God's word work. Like Michael said, 
You don't even have to know how. Other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. You're going to see this thing growing. I'm tending this thing. These, I put these in front of my house when I go home from church, and I'll bring them next Sunday. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Does everybody in the crowd have ears on the side of their head? Then why would he say this? He, he is eliciting intentional hearing. Next, please. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto those that are outside. All these things are just parabolic. All these things are like a mystery. All these things sound like a story to them. You see, the word of God is encrypted to your spirit, not to your mind. And you can only decode the word of God with your spirit, not with your mind. Boy, that, I, I want you to just ponder what I just said. I'll say it again. The word of God is a message that is encoded or encrypted. You know what en uh, encryption is in a computer? I don't know that much about it, but when, sometimes when you ask for a link, like on YouTube or something, it'll give you like 37 jillion letters and they're all different letters and characters and everything. That is uh, automatically generated computer language that encrypts that link and then it is decoded by your, by your cell phone. You know, there's more technology in a cell phone than what we use to land a man on the moon, you know, right? right? But the Word of God is encrypted language to your spirit. You don't have to understand the whole thing with your mind. You don't have to understand everything that goes on in church. You just got to keep showing up. And as sure as you're sitting here, it's going to make a difference. Like Michael showed us today. The seed takes root and starts growing, same chapter, day and night. He doesn't even know how. He goes to bed, he wakes up. Do you know how a seed grows? I don't either. But you know it does, huh? If you hear intentionally. Next, please. And that, he says these things are done in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive. There are people, we've known people, and we've been these people from time to time. We've all done it. Where we're sitting there and we're not hearing intentionally. We were raised in church and we have zero to very little revelation of anything in the Word of God. I'll never forget when God started giving me revelation, not just information. Information is what you get down there at the schoolhouse. Re God can teach you things by revelation that your mind does not understand. In fact, that's what he does every day. God will give you understanding. You, you just know in your spirit, I need to do this. I need to get up and go to church. You didn't get a fax or an email that says you need to go to church today. It's your spirit is demanding it because the Holy Ghost is in there revealing things to you. You got to do this. You ought to do this. Pushing you, urging you, nudging you in the right direction. Well, if you don't listen to that, if you've got to see a sign, uh -huh. Christians should not be following signs. Signs should be following Christians. If you've got to see a sign for everything, well, first of all, Satan can accommodate you. Next of all, that is 
a very crude form of communication. Did you have to follow signs to get to church today, Angelo? Why? You mean you just get in your car, like you know what you're doing, and go down the street, and the, you didn't just drive around and around in circles looking for the school? You just came right here? Like you know what you're doing, without following signs. Christians, that's how you're supposed to live your life. You're supposed to know where you're going. You're not supposed to be in confusion. None of us should be in confusion. You should know where you belong in the body of Christ. If you're in this church, you should know, you should feel like you belong here, and you do. But listen, somebody's coming to sow some other seeds in your heart. And he has to get through your mind. He'll use information to try to pollute your revelation. Boy, that's good Bible teaching right there, friend. That seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and they still don't get it. How could this be? How could you sit there and listen to me teach on spiritual authority for months and have no concept? Because they're seeing they don't see. The hearing they don't, they, don't, they don't get it. Because they've not decided to hear intentionally. Because if they did, anytime, he says, anytime, third line on my screen, Anytime, if you decide to hear intentionally, anytime you should be converted or you will get a revelation. Anytime, you can get revelation anytime if what? You make a decision to hear intentionally. You can get revelation every day if you decide every day I'm going to hear intentionally. And then what happens? Well, that's when, when miracles happen. That's when people get saved, they get healed, they get out of debt. They get a million dollars of debt taken off their books in six weeks and stuff like that. Amen. God gives people ideas. You heard about the guy that was on a plane somewhere, went to sleep and had a vision of a sticky note. Right? That's not information. That's revelation. He woke up and wrote down a few things and invented the sticky note. And it was worth like $300 million. Amen. That's God. Next, please. And he said unto them, don't you guys understand this parable? How will you understand anything in the kingdom of God if you can't understand this one concept? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm using the BLT, but you can see that's what he's saying. And he expounds right here. He says, the sower sows the word. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, they didn't hear intentionally. They just heard with these paddles. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately. You know, if, if I give you something valuable, and then somebody comes to try to take it away from you, what is the proper response? You've got to fight. Listen, you, you have a Savior who died for a message you can live for, people you should fight for. Right? When they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Why? They, they didn't fight for it. They're not living it. Next, please. And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. I mean, they look real good. They, I mean, wow. But they have no root in themselves, and they only last a little while. Why do some people last only a little while? They have no root. 
Their heart is stony. What does that mean? That means there's things in their heart, hard places in their heart, that they refuse to get rid of. It's usually things like unforgiveness, fault-finding, blaming. You know, some people got to be right all the time. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, man. I, 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 I'm one. <laughs> I come from a long line of highly educated you know, folks, one of our favorite indoor sports is create, you know, correcting everybody's grammar and syntax. I can't tell you how many times that when I was a kid growing up, they corrected my grammar. I mean, again and again and again. And some of that gets in you, you know. But being right is overrated. Because I can correct somebody in the wrong way and make it worse. But I can wait for the right time and try to give a little constructive criticism or helpful suggestions. When I feel like saying, mm, instead I should go, have you ever thought about this? What do you, what do you think about that? Right? Because that opens, that, that, that disarms people and allows them to, you know, explore new, new thoughts. Amen? Rather than just jamming it down their throat. You're going to hell if you do that. Well, first of all, if they're going to hell, they already know it. Next of all, when we talk to people like that, we're not bringing them in, we're driving them away. They only last for a little while because they have no root in themselves. Because there's things in their heart that are crowding out the seed of God's word. You know, seeds don't grow on these very good. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, any pressure that comes on them to let go of the word, they're going to let go of it. If they hear a message about spiritual authority, uh, Pastor, I think I'm going to go fishing for about three or four years. I'll see you later. <laughs> Amen. They don't want to hear about spiritual authority. And, and this is an epidemic in the, in, the American, in the modern church. People wonder why things don't work. And they refuse to come under spiritual authority. Listen, I didn't, write, I didn't write the book, you know, I'm just reading it. But spiritual authority is a real thing. Amen. Cindy and I, were submitted to authority. I check in with Pastor Steve, who's, you know, my local father in the faith. Not just a guy on TV, but a guy who can look in my eyeballs and say, I think you're all wet, man. You know, and he, I've, he's corrected me, but man, he does it sweet. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts so good. But he corrects me from time to time. And I have, I have a, a, a group of elders around me. You know, Michael and I sit down with our elders sometimes and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I've had some correction. So you're not the only one. Sometimes people come to me and they say, well, I don't like the way you correct, you know, from the pulpit. You're, you, well, don't be so arrogant thinking you're the only one. Praise God. That is pure arrogance to think, you, I'm, I'm, you're talking only to me, huh? I know you are. I've had people call me and tell me that. No, brother, I'm not talking just to you. The Holy Ghost is talking to the church. That's, right. That's what kind of church you're in. What do you think he's going to deal with? The stuff we're doing, right? Or should we just deal with somebody's mess out here 100 miles away? God brought you in this church because he wants to deal with some stuff. And it doesn't always feel good. It's not always fun. Mm -hmm. 
It's not always entertaining. I try to be a little bit entertaining. I try to keep your attention, you know, by waving my arms and smiling and being nice and all of that, right? But, but get, getting fixed up and being correct is not always fun, is it? Amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah, Say amen, preacher. I don't like that. That's what David Hogan said. I don't like that. <laughs> I hate the equator. That's what he said. You know, that one guy, the chief, what was his name, General Buttnaked? He says, I don't like that guy. I hate that guy. But Jesus dealt with me. And Jesus showed me I'm the one with the problem. We all got issues, friend. We all got issues. Come on, we all got stuff that's got to get dealt with. Come on, let's be brave. Let's be bold. Let's be boost church and say, you know what? I don't care what the cost is. Let's get it all out here on the table and let the Holy Ghost deal with it. Amen. Amen. What, what, what options you got? What, op- what, what, what are your options? Run and hide somewhere, huh? Run and hide somewhere. Be a disconnected body part just snipped off, chucked over there in the driveway somewhere. Going to wither on the vine, friend. Wither and be useless for the master's service. This is an army. And there has to be some submission. And, and, and you may not see everything that we go through, but Cindy and I are the most submitted people in the house. That's the only way this can work. You know, I like to say a top-down. Well, I got corrected the other day. It's actually a bottom-up. Because if I'm, if I'm the, the elder of this assembly, I have to be the most submitted and the most ready and able and willing to serve. Anybody, anybody who's watched me knows that I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to serve. If I tell you to tote a bale, I've already done toted a hundred of them. Amen? That's a fact. Amen? I, I mean, I, I enjoy working. But sometimes I do other people's jobs. I love it so much. Amen? And that's not fair to you because I'm taking your ministry. I'm taking your anointing. I'm taking your blessing. I'm already blessed. <clears throat> oh, I wish I had a week here, but I've only got a few minutes. All right, here we go. Let's just, let's go. Immediately they're offended. How come they're immediately offended? Do you know why? They were already offended. They want to be offended. Some people want to be a victim. Some people have this offended thing. A- offense is an event, but being offended is an attitude. These are they such as so, are uh, sown among thorns. These aren't thorns, but we, I guess we could pretend they are. Such as hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. You know, riches are not bad, but they can be deceitful. Nothing wrong with being rich. We're never going to abandon, you know, prosperity in the Bible. I was looking on YouTube. My phone pulled up. You know how your phone just gives you, you pull up YouTube and it gives you something without you asking for it? And they showed this preacher on there. Who, who, sp- who goes around and around and around saying, well, you know, I started out one way, but my theology has kind of migrated to a new position after 30 or 40 years, and I just don't believe in prosperity anymore. Really, brother? Really? The guy's worth millions. You could take all of our houses probably and fit it in his house. <laughs> really? You don't believe in prosperity no more, huh? That's hypocrisy. Nothing but hypocrisy. We're not going to, I don't care if people don't like it. And that's why he's yielding is because he got criticized. So now he don't believe it no more. Really? Is it in the Bible? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's in the book. I could quote scripture for hours up here on finances. Okay, what verse am I on here? Lost my screen, that's okay. What, just tell me what verse I'm on. 
419. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and, and what becomes unfruitful? It. The word becomes unfruitful. The enemy is after the word. He's not really after you so much. because You are a container. Uh, 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 you're infected with the word. He doesn't want you infecting somebody else with it. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, now he, he is not changing. See, there's a little P on verse 20, a little backwards P on verse 21, like this is a paragraph, like this is a new idea. Like Jesus is walking down the street, he says, I'm talking about this stuff, now I'm going to talk about something over here. That's not the way he operated. He didn't go from one, you know, from one idea to the next. He's still talking about the same thing. That's the way the Bible is written. It's very gradual as it blends from one topic to the next. It doesn't have radical stops. Okay, and that's why people take one verse and make a denomination out of it. Because they're not reading the verses in front of it and they're not reading the verses after it. Let it not be said of us. That's foolishness. He said unto them, he's still talking about the same thing. The sower sowing the word. You got that? I mean, come on, that's the truth. Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not on a candlestick? What's he talking about? The Word. The Bible says that uh, the, the Word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Now he's talking about candlesticks, which were the light of the day. They didn't have flashlights and LEDs and, and them Obama light bulbs and stuff, right? right? <laughs> Anybody still using them? All gone? Okay. <laughs> is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on the candlestick? For there is nothing hidden which shall not be displayed, neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. What's he talking about? He's talking about intentional hearing. Right? We've, we've established that. So he said, do you take a candlestick and put it under the bed or put a, put a basket over it to hide it? No. no. But some people do. Some people take their faith and they say, my faith is a private thing. And listen, I, I don't think you, you've got to be wise. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you have to go into a new place of business you know, the first day on the job, and demand they take down all of the, the posters, change the music on the, on the radio, right? right? Well, I can't work in these conditions. Well, grow up. This is planet Earth. This is what you're surrounded by. Right. I can work in those conditions. I've done it. It doesn't bother me. Are you going to just renounce Jesus because there's a poster of a naked person on the wall? You're going to lose your Christianity because where you work, there's something you don't want to see or something you don't want to hear? Hmm. Well, I'm just tempted. Well, grow up. Praise the Lord. Praise God. There is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. If you love the Lord, it's going to come out anyway. You might as well just act like it. You might as well just get ready to bear some fruit. 
Instead of, instead of trying to act like the world, talk like the world, emulate the world, uh, embrace the things that they embrace, follow their uh, crowds. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Take heed what you hear. It's about hearing. It's about hearing. And it's not just about the sounds that hit your ears. It's about what you intentionally hear. You know, uh, when I was growing up, you know, we, we, I mean, we really basically worshipped sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Does anybody know what? I'm the only one, huh? I'm the only one. Okay. So sex, drugs, and rock and roll was the God that I served, you know, 40 years ago. And, and, you know, some of that music, if I turn on, like, a certain radio station, they're playing exactly the same songs that I was worshiping the devil to in 1979. Exactly the same music. And, you know, there's some sounds there that I still kind of like, the rhythm, the beat, and whatever. But, you know, I don't want that spirit no more. I don't want that spirit no more. And so I have to be very careful about what I intentionally hear. He said, take heed what you hear. Verse 24, with the measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. That's the way you're made. That is the process by which things get from your environment to your soul to your spirit to production. It's what you intentionally hear. See, I could be in a place where they're playing, you know, Led Zeppelin, and I'm not intentionally hearing it. It's bouncing off of my head. I mean, I, I, can, I, I, know, the song, I know the words and everything. I know the next song they're going to play probably too, right, Jack? But I mean, that doesn't mean I'm intentionally hearing it because I've turned that off. He said, take, what, take heed what you hear. Take, watch the way that you hear things. And this works in church and it works at a concert if you go see somebody that hates Jesus makes uh, you know I mean I, I like music as much as the next person but you got don't don't be a fool don't be a fool Satan was the worship leader in heaven the, the word of God if you if you study uh, Lucifer he apparently, in his person, in his body, somewhere in his body, I don't, I don't know what it looked like, but it said that he had pipes, musical instruments, brass, woodwinds, in his body, and tabres, or, or percussion instruments, in his body. He was a glorious creature. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. He was a very special creature. And music was part of his ministry, ordained by God before the foundation of the world. And he looked at himself and he said, I'm really something. And he was. But you see, pride is not believing the wrong thing about... Pride is not believing too much about yourself. Pride is believing a twisted image of yourself. Pride is believing that you fit into the grand drama differently than you really do. 
You have a place in the body of Christ. You have a place in this church. You have a place in my heart. You have a place in your family. You have a place in society. You, only you can fill that place. Pride takes you out of that place and tries to insert you somewhere where God did not intend for you to, to go. Satan will accommodate you in those things and tell you, yeah, this is your real home. Hmm? What was that? Uh, is it Goodfellas? Where that kid, where, where the gangsters befriend the boy? He doesn't feel like he fits in at home anymore, but the gangsters make him feel like he fit. This is your new family now. And they lead him on a pathway that ends in destruction, huh? That's satanic. That is totally satanic. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here. For he that has what? Has what? Anybody know? For, to, for he that hath. In modern English, the one that has, to him shall be given. Given what? Having what? To him that has ears to hear intentionally. Shall be given what? More revelation. That's what he's saying. If you have ears to hear intentionally, if you're soaking up the word of God, if you're shutting out the distractions and saying, nothing can distract me, I am going to intentionally hear this. You know, have you ever had a, had a, a meal? I mean, Cindy is a wonderful cook. And I come home from work sometimes, and I maybe miss lunch or something, and I'm, buddy, I'm hungry. I got to get some food in me like right now. And she makes me one of my favorite dishes. And it, I mean, the presentation is just stunning. And I'm so hungry that, I mean, I can eat a big plate, plate of food and it don't take long. I got big teeth, right, Cindy? <laughs> My hands are... <laughs> I got to get every crumb. If she's not looking, I will lick that plate. <laughs> I wait for her to... <laughs> wait for... <laughs> I will lick that... True confessions of a word of faith preacher, right? Why? I got to get every bit. Friend, if you have that attitude with the word of God, I can tell you, I can tell you, you'll be just like me. You'll be, you'll be invincible to the enemy. I'm not going to say you're never going to have any problems, but there's not anything in this life you can stand up. There's not anything in this life that you won't be able to overcome. Nothing. The Word of God has the answer to absolutely. I said absolutely. Be careful about absolutes. I'm saying absolutely. The Word of God absolutely has the answer to every single situation any man, woman, boy, or girl has ever faced or ever will. Can you say amen? amen. What we have to do sometimes is research. If you will research the Bible, it'll answer every question, every problem. Fill every empty place in your life. Break every chain off of you. Solve every personality disorder. Do you believe this? Do you, you're here in this church, you probably believe this, right? Let's act like it. If there's something going on with you, you know, sometimes people, they, they'll research everything in the world except the Bible. Right. 
They'll get the, the, you know, the doctor says you got this, and they'll spend hours in front of that computer screen researching the problem. Are you any better after you researched it? You know, if they say something in there like, stop drinking gasoline for breakfast, I mean, that's good information. That'd, that'd probably help you. Right? But they're usually going to say stuff like, well, doctors don't have a cure for this. Right. You could try this. You could try that. You could try this. Why don't you try God and, and really try him? Really put some pressure on the Word of God and say, God, it says, I found it right here in my Bible. By your stripes, I am healed. I am intentionally hearing what you said to me as if you came to my house, knocked on my door, and said, I said you're healed. What do you say? Right? I said you're rich. What do you say? Hmm? I said you're forgiven. And when God forgives you, he takes it and puts it way out where nobody can ever find it. It's gone. The, the handwriting against you is gone. There's no record of your sin in heaven. And I found when you come and serve God in his kingdom, <clears throat> that even if a man wants to bring up my sin from the past, God will step in. And punish them if necessary. Because he means business about this, right? Right? 